Hello and welcome to Empire Builders, the place for entrepreneurs, business owners and experts who want to build an epic empire. I'm Nick James and thanks for joining me here today. Hey, hey, how you doing? Nick James here. What a phenomenal time to be live. Welcome to episode number six of Open and Real Q&A. Jav is always here with me with the questions. Let's get straight into it. What you got? So the first one is from Paul Glover, and he wants to know, are there any scenarios where you felt it appropriate to not stick to the value we do what we say we'll do? Okay, Paul. So uh, great question. Um, For context, um, those that might not be familiar with our company values, we've got seven. I'm not going to list them all. Uh, One of them is we do what we say we'll do. Um, And I guess the question is, are there any circumstances or how have there been any circumstances where I felt it was appropriate to go against that value? Um, yes, definitely. Um, and I think, Paul, the key is that I would only do that if I felt that that would align with all the other values. Let me give you an example. Let's say we set ourselves um set a number of targets over the course of a quarter, which we generally do in our business. Um, And let's say one of the ways we were going to hit one of those targets, we do some testing with, and then it doesn't work the way we thought it would. Now, you could argue that what we said we were going to do was was utilize this strategy throughout the quarter you know, every single week, well, if you get four, five, six weeks into the quarter and it ain't working, it would be foolish to stubbornly say, we're going to keep doing it just because we said we would. It'd be smarter to go, look, we said we were going to hit the target and I'm less interested in how we hit the target and more interested in the fact that we actually do. So I wouldn't, that, that's probably the exception though, Paul. Like I, I wouldn't, or I certainly don't encourage our team and I certainly don't, you know, say we're going to do something and then not do it very often. If we ever do, it's more a change of tact or change of strategy rather than, oh, we said we were going to do this and we haven't and that's okay. Um, again, I, I guess as long as the intention is always good, Paul, then I think you're in good shape. So have we ever set a target and not hit it. Well, yeah, we have plenty of times. The intention has always been to hit the target. The intention has always been there. Sometimes we haven't. You could argue, well, Nick, if you set a target and you didn't hit it, then you didn't do what you said you would do. I guess the point is, I would always, we would always intend to do what we said we would do, um, and then only deliberately change that for the right reasons or with the best intention. Hopefully that answers your question, Paul. I mean, what I will say is having your company values clearly established, documented, communicated, discussed regularly as a team, um, for me, that that makes a huge difference in terms of the environment um, that you get to build and that you get to work in. And so, um, yeah, having, in our case, those seven values established um, and having them as a regular topic of discussion means that um, it's not that common, not that often, where we find or see any one of our team or the team as a whole massively out of kilter with those values. 
Good question. Like it. Jav, what you got? What's number two? Number two is from Daniel Wilding. Yeah. And he wants to know, what funding opportunities would you advise are helpful for my startup social enterprise? Okay. Um, yeah, Daniel. So um, funding for a startup social enterprise. Now, I'm, I'm lacking a bit of information because I don't know exactly what the social enterprise is about. Um, but that said, the good news is there are lots of potential funding sources available to all businesses, um, whether they're a not-for-profit or a social enterprise or indeed a profit-based business. So I think the first thing before we start to look at where you might get the funding is actually to set up the, all the, I guess, get all the information ready that a funder would likely want or need. So, you know, work out what are the, the financial projections for this social enterprise, like how are you going to attract income? What are the more likely for a social enterprise? What are the key cost bases or cost centers that are going to be important over the first six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months? Get clear on all of that. So you actually know how much funding you need because it's hard to go for funding unless you know how much. And secondly, then what you're going to do with that because someone who's funding you will want to know. And then look, there's loads of potential places you could get funding. You can go High Street Bank. You can go, I guess, more um, alternative funding. Um, you could go private, uh, private investors. But all of those different types of people are going to want to see the financial projections for that business. They're going to want to see essentially what the main cost bases, cost centers are, how much money is going to be needed, when it's going to be needed and what it's going to be needed for. Get all that information first and then who you go to to seek funding um, is almost secondary. It's certainly less important than how much you need, what you need it for. Um, and what the future of your social enterprise likely looks like. I think that's important first and foremost. Nice. Okay, the third question is from Richard Cowell. Yeah. And it's, what has been your best and worst ever investment? That's time and money. Okay, Richard. So what has been my best investment, time money, what's my worst investment time money? There could be a load of different answers here. Um, so I think, you know, what's, what's, what's interesting is I've made some relatively small investments that have been very, very good investments. Um, and I've made some large investments that have also been very good investments. So it's, it's hard to say. Certainly, you know, if you looked at purely uh, from a financial return point of view, um, like multiples uh, return on investment, some of the smaller ones are probably better. But I think, um, and I, I've probably given this answer before when I've been asked, probably the best financial investment I made um, was the investment I made in having Gary Vaynerchuk headline our first Expert Empires event in 2017 because, A, it was at the time the biggest financial investment I've made in my business. So that's the first reason um, it was a big deal for me. Um, and secondly, the direct financial return within six months 
was pretty good. Like, you know, we've more than, I think, I think we've more than doubled our money on that event within six months. And of course it was the start point. It was the, the catalyst for then everything else that followed. So, um, yeah, I'd have to say that would be probably one of the best financial investments I made in the business. Um, best investment I've made in terms of time in the business would have to be um, the many days, weeks, months I've spent over many, many years um, traveling all over the world, being in the right environment as a kid, attending Tony Robbins seminars, workshops, conferences all over the world. Um, then, you know, in my kind of mid to late 20s, uh, going over to the States a lot to study with amazing, um, you know, experts like Dan Kennedy and Frank Kern and Jeff Walker and people like that. Um, you know, those investments of time, there was some financial investment as well, of course, but those investments of time um, were incredibly valuable because of the people that I met and that I connected with. And, you know, some of those people I'm still connected with now and those friendships and business partnerships have bought tremendous value. Um, worst investments, probably be more difficult for me to answer this. Um, you know what? Like, I don't think there's not any major financial disasters in terms of investments that I've made or I've lost loads. There's been some less beneficial investments. So like, I'm not going to name names, but some of the speakers that I've paid, you know, six figure fees to, um, the return we got on those six figure fees were not as good as some of the others. Um, but actually the, the worst one, we had an event that it, it just about broke even overall. So it was actually a loss on the front end. And when you factored everything else in, it kind of just broke even. It was marginally in profit. So when you think about the amount of time and energy and money that went into the event to then only just about break even, the opportunity cost was huge. And so it was probably a loser, if you like. Um, but then, funnily enough, like I know for a fact there's one person that attended that event that went on to spend six figures with us. So I go, and that was in the years that followed. So it's very difficult for me to say financially um, what was, what's been the worst investment. I'd say I've just had some investments that have been less beneficial. By the way, I've, I've had a couple of small investments that I've made in other businesses, other companies that, you know, I've had a punt, you know, not, not hundreds of thousands of pounds, but, you know, thousands, sometimes tens of thousands, but relatively small in the huge scheme of things that have like completely flopped and gone nowhere. But I think I knew that that was a possibility when I went into them. So it was, it, they were speculative punts at best. Um, I can think of a, a couple off the top of my head where, you know, I just pumped a few grand into something that I went, let's see what happens. It might fly, it might die. And you know what? I'm kind of okay either way. The potential upside was huge. The potential downside was lose it all. And so I went into it with my eyes open. Um, in terms of the worst investment of my time, that's a really difficult one to answer. Um, I mean, look, I have attended conferences, workshops, events. I, I, you know, I cited those as some of the best investments I've made in my of my time and, and there's certainly been the odd one where I go, was that really worth it? But my attitude, I suppose, is that even if I go to America for, you know, 
a three-day event, and by the time I've flown there and flown back, it's five days. If I only get one thing from that event, and I implement and apply that one thing, and it makes a difference in my business, then that three, four, five days away was worth it. So I probably don't ever see anything that I do as a bad investment of time, because as long as there's one thing, like I guess you could say my standards are probably quite low in that respect. Like I, whenever I invest time in anything, like um, my coach just recommended an audio book that he's like, you have to read this or listen to this book. So I've just purchased it today. Um, so I've got the audio book. But and my expectations are relatively high because it comes well recommended. But I'm also going into it going, I'm probably going to invest. And I don't actually know how long the audio book is, but let's say it's four or five hours listening to it. But I go, if I get one thing out of this book that I implement and makes a difference in my business, then that four or five hours was worth it. Now, I might spend out of those, let's say, five hours, four hours and 55 minutes might be a complete waste. There might be nothing of any use in there. I don't think that would be the case, but there could be. But I could get one nugget in five minutes that changes everything. So I suppose I don't really, I rarely see anything as a bad investment of time because my attitude is always, I only need one thing to be useful or beneficial from it. What I will say is there have certainly been certain places where I've invested my time over the years that have been more valuable and more beneficial based upon the return that that activity generated, um, either financially or mentally, emotionally, spiritually. There's, there's, of course, other ways you can invest time, not just to gain financially, but um, you know, for your own happiness, well-being, peace of mind. Love it. Just out of interest, what was the book? Oh, the book, um, and it's, it's that recent that I've just got to pull the message up. It's called Trust and Inspire, How Truly Great Leaders Unleash Greatness in Others, and it is by Stephen M. R. Covey. Nice. There you go. Love that. So I will be getting on that imminently. It will be, it'll be on my... Um, journey to and from the gym journey to and from the office probably for the next week depending on how long it is i actually don't know let's have a look 11 hours and 51 minutes how much time does <laughs> jeff how much time do you think i've got in fairness though that's like all right so let's call it 12 hours i'm probably an hour a day yeah. in the car to and from the gym to and from the office so it's only it'll be less than two weeks mm. and and to be fair I do trust Jeff completely. I'm sure it's a brilliant book. But equally, if I get a couple of hours in and it's not doing it for me, I just won't finish it. So well, you've um, got a lot of people holding you accountable now. Yeah, yeah. Got, you know, well, Jav knows about it. <laughs> Although, to be fair, by the time this episode goes out, I'll probably already have finished or not, as the case may be. In the next episode, I'll, I'll review it and tell you if it was worth the investment of 12 hours and maybe... Um, it will go down as who was it that's the last question it was Richard Carroll Richard it might be that next time I, I answer your question that the worst investment of my time ever was this book 12 hours for nothing but it also might be the best investment of my time um, and I do think it'll be worth it because when my coach recommends something and by the way didn't just recommend it I'm reading the message here word for word um Oh, well, it was a voice note, but he went, you have to read this book. He said, it's gone in, he's gone straight into my top three of all time. I'm going, I just messaged him back. I went, that is a big call. Um, 
<laughs> and he's now come back to me and said, yeah, it's solid. Chapter six is on point. You know what that means? I'm just six gonna, hours in. I'm just going <laughs> to skip to chapter six now, aren't I? You shouldn't have said that, Jeff. Now you've, <laughs> now you've told me chapter six is the one. I'm probably just going to skip the first five chapters. But I won't. I'll listen to the first six and then I'll go, I've heard all the good stuff now. Anyway. Hey, real quick, if you've been listening to the Empire Builders podcast for any length of time, you'll know that I do not run ads on this podcast. And what you should also know about me is that I only partner with companies who I absolutely 100% believe in. And so I'm making an exception because of my partnership and my loyalty to Keep. So since 2010, I've been using Keep, which was previously known as Infusionsoft, to automate all the sales and marketing in my business, deliver world-class experience to my clients, run e-commerce reports, manage affiliates, partners, and loads more. I really believe that Keep is the best CRM on the planet for small businesses, for entrepreneurs that are building their empire. Many of my guests on this podcast use it, and pretty much all of my closest friends in the industry also use it. That should speak volumes. So uh, Infusionsoft recently rebranded to keep k-e-a-p and what they've also done is brilliantly made it even more affordable even more usable for businesses that are at different stages of their journey so go and get a free demo all you need to do is go to keep.com that's k-e-a-p keep.com forward slash empire builders and by using that link i've negotiated the best possible deal for empire builders subscribers so go to keep.com forward slash empire builders you get a free demo and when you go through that unique link it means you'll get the best possible deal because you're a subscriber of this podcast so let's get back to the show right next one is from maria she says i need to get rid of my partner what tips have you got for the best way to do it amicably okay maria I need to get rid of my partner. I don't know if this is partner in life, business, maybe both. Um, So I'm just going to answer it like philosophically because it doesn't really matter which one. Ultimately, when a partnership is coming to an end, um, and by the way, Maria, this might actually not be that helpful for you at this point, but it might help you and everybody else in the future. For me, and I've been in business partnerships that have ended. I've been in business partnerships that are still going. Um, So I can tell you from both good and not so good experiences. When it's time for a partnership to end, and I believe this is the case in, in relationships as well as business partnerships, the bit that will, the thing that will contribute most to how amicably that partnership will end is how clear you were at the beginning. So if at the beginning you were very clear about here's what the expectations are, here are, um, let's, let's talk about a business partnership. Here are my commitments in this business partnership. Here are your commitments in this partnership. Here are my expectations. Here are your expectations of each other. Um, and you've got a very clear, like, escape plan like if we at some point realize or come to the conclusion that this isn't a good partnership or a good fit anymore here's what we're then going to do to unravel it 
I'm not sure I'd have that same attitude with a relationship as such or a marriage, but I think certainly um, in business partnerships, it's just good practice to have that. Um, so I had a recent partnership which has ended business partnerships. Um, and you know what? We, we went into it with the best intentions. We went into it all in. We set expectations on both sides. Um, we were very clear about what was um, what responsibilities were on my side and what responsibilities were on his side. Um, and after six months, we went, hey, you know what? This isn't a good fit. And actually, the unraveling of that business partnership has been relatively easy because when we started the partnership, we decided what the end was going to look like. And we went, look, let's set the intention that this never ends. Let's set the intention that if it does end, it's many, many years into the future. But let's also be aware that it could finish at any point. So let's work out what that would look like. And so, you know, the clarity that we had at the start gives us the ability to unravel easily at the end, whenever that end comes. Um, so, Maria, I'm not sure if this is business partnership or personal relationship. I mean, if it's a um, applying the same logic, by the way, to like a marriage, and I'm aware that I'm now in territory that is not my area of expertise, so forgive me. Um, but like the equivalent of this in a marriage would be like, and we're talking financially, of course, um, would be like a prenup, wouldn't it? So a prenup would be something in writing which details from the beginning how things would unravel at the end. Now, um, I'll give my personal opinion for what it's worth. Um, I don't like it. I don't like it in relationships. Now, that might be naive because you go, well, not, you know, not having that could be financially um, devastating later on. Um, but my mum uh, and her husband, Tony, have done a lot of work with a lot of couples. And going into a marriage with any inclination or thought that it might not last forever, it's just a bad, bad place to start from. That's only my opinion. I'm not the expert. My mum and Tony are the experts. That's their opinion. You might agree or disagree. Um, now, of course, you know, Maria, I wasn't sure about the context of the question, so I've given you a few thoughts here. Um, but certainly in business partnerships and relationships, decide, be very, very clear. And actually, I think that's a good lesson in the relationship as well, in, in marriages. It's like, be very clear about what the expectations are and be very clear about what makes you happy and what pisses you off. And have the other person be very clear about what makes them happy and what pisses them off. Um, and I think the more you can get clarity at the start, the less likelihood you're ever going to get to this point. Now, now you're here at the end point where, you know, the partnership needs to end. If you don't have that clarity, by the way, part of the reason why the partnership relationship might be ending is because you didn't have the clarity in the first place. But now you are where you are. It's now time to just um, do your very best, I would suggest, to um, what I would advise is you go, right, um, what is your ideal scenario? Get clear on that. Ask the other person to get clear on their ideal scenario as well and compare the two and go, right, okay, this is my ideal scenario. This is your ideal scenario. Now, the likelihood of those two scenarios matching is almost zero. If those two scenarios matched, you probably wouldn't be breaking the partnership. But then what you need to do, and by the way, this is the bit that causes the most problems in the breakup of a relationship or a business partnership, is 
I think this is my ideal outcome and I'm going to dig my heels in. This is your ideal outcome. You're going to dig your heels in. No one's moving at all. Um, and so it ends up probably being decided by a third party. You know, um, Often it goes through the courts or whatever. Um, and here's the thing. A good negotiation, and we're talking about break up a partnership, but a good ne negotiation in anything is where both parties are a little bit dissatisfied. That's a good negotiation. And I, I know that doesn't sound like positive because you go, well, like if I come away from a negotiation and I'm not really happy, but I'm also not fuming, and the other person comes away, they're not really happy either, but they're also not fuming. You've kind of both won in that case. Whereas if I come away from the negotiation and go, yes, I've got everything I wanted, they are pissed off. That is not a win-win. If they come away really happy with everything they wanted, I'm probably really pissed off. So I guess the, the name of the game is compromise. And that might not feel good, Maria, because you might go, well, no, I believe I'm entitled to this and this is um, you know, the right thing. And, but you know, the other person has their perspective as well. What I would say is compromising and getting it done quickly is actually better for you, your mental, emotional, spiritual well-being, and if it's a business partnership, better for you financially. Compromising now, getting it done quick, is better than dragging it out over sometimes years, which might eventually get you a better financial result. But the opportunity cost of those years of headaches and being angry and frustrated and pissed off just isn't worth it. Um, and I can tell you there's been times Certainly, um, as I've matured in business, there's now been more and more occasions where I've not been particularly happy about something and I've felt that I've been wronged, but I've bit the bullet and compromised anyway just to get it off my, off my desk, off my chest, out of my head, and then I can move on. There's been a number of occasions like that, um, probably over the last three or four years, where um, I've essentially um, felt I was wronged, but taken the financial hit just to get it off, off my chest, off my desk, out of my head. Um, and then, of course, you've got time and energy and space to invest in other things. And, you know, look, I mean, by the way, these numbers are arbitrary, but like, if something is a big issue and it's going to cause me a problem for months and I can solve it with 10 grand, even though I don't feel that's fair, you pay the 10 and then you go, but now I've just bought myself all this time and energy and space. And the, the reason people don't do this is ego because they want to be right. And I did this for years. I'd always want to be right. I felt like I was being wronged by the other person near the party. It's like, I want to be right. And actually, that's the, the desire, the need to be right. It's just the ego. And when you get your ego out of the way, you go, look, this is really nothing to do with me or the other person. I'm just going to try and be objective here and see it for what it is, which is a problem that I can solve with this amount of money or it doesn't even need to be a money thing. It could be, I can solve this problem by giving this ground to the person. You, know, you get your ego out of the way, you give the ground, you give the money, and then you create time, energy, space for you to do the things you want to do. So anyway, that was a bit ranty, wasn't it, Jav, really? But, and, and by the way, it's because it comes from a lot of experience. Like I've, I've had a lot of good and bad experiences like this. And I tell you, the worst ones, the worst ones were when I dug my healing. Or my heels in. The worst ones when I was, I was stubborn, my ego got in the way, and I didn't feel like it was fair. And those are the worst ones. The best ones was when I went completely, I, I, I got rid of all emotion, got my ego out of the way, and went, look, let's just see this for what it is. 
it's a problem. I can solve it by giving some ground, and I just get I don't get emotionally involved. And those are the ones that I, I, I don't even think about them now. Compromise is key. It is absolutely. Last question. Last question from Naya Walters. Yes, Naya. Pretty simple. What inspires you? What inspires me? Great question. Simple question. Not actually that easy to answer. What inspires me? Our vision inspires me. The, the vision that we've got for our, our, our group of companies, that really inspires me. Um, seeing members of the team going above and beyond and putting in the extra hours or effort or you know time to to develop themselves that really inspires me especially when i look at it and go like in some cases in a lot of cases this is not their business yet they treat it as if it is that really inspires me and also it makes me work double hard so i go well if somebody who's a team member an employee of our business um is going to those lengths then it inspires me to do more um strive to be better um what else inspires me um my kids inspire me like more because they're a reminder that like i want to need to be the example because you know they're, they're going to naturally kids copy everything whether you like it or not so um they constantly inspire me to want to um be better um and that's in all areas, you know, not just in business, but be better um, as far as health, fitness, um, being, you know, um, level-headed, which I'm not always, but I, I try to be, um, you know, because I know they're watching. So, so they certainly, um, certainly inspire me. And a lot of people that I've been privileged to get to know and work with and become friends with over the years that have built amazing companies and make, you know, they make huge impact in the world. They they really inspire me as well. But I get inspiration from a lot of different places. So I, I, I feel inspired watching great movies or sporting events, um, TV shows, like certain things. I just uh, I get inspired by the, by the silliest little things, actually, that you might not expect. Um, but I think the fact that there are so many different things that inspire me helps me to operate from a more inspired place. Um, and hopefully then... Provide some inspiration to other people as well through things like the Q&As that we're putting out, things like the podcast, things like um, Expert Empires and our events and masterminds and all of these things, hopefully, um, because I've got many, many sources of inspiration, hopefully I get to, to pass some of those on. Um, quick reminder, by the way, um, thank you for all the questions. Keep them coming. Um, if you've got questions you'd like to put forward, for future episodes of Open and Real Q&A, send them to Jav via email, jav, J-A-V, at expertempires.com. That's jav, J-A-V, at expertempires.com. If you're watching on YouTube, um, make sure you give uh, the channel a subscribe, and then you'll be notified when we put new episodes out. Equally, if you want to pop uh, questions that you'd like to submit for future episodes in the comments below, you can do that as well. So uh, thanks everyone for watching. Thanks, Jav. Question master, as always. Thanks everyone for submitting the questions and um, see you all soon. And hopefully see you at Expert Empires. Some of you that have been fortunate enough to get a ticket because we are sold out, um, but looking forward to seeing you there. Remember, more you connect, more you collect.
Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to Empire Builders. Please subscribe, leave us a review on Apple, on Spotify, on other platforms, and uh, share the love, tell your friends. Remember, till next time, the more you connect, the more you collect. Thank you.